Chapter 29 I care if you save the world or not, Max, Dylan said softly as we flew back to my mom's house. The tip of his wing brushed mine, and I felt a bolt of electricity. Okay, that makes about ten of us, I said, avoiding his eyes. My gaze fell on a little dot moving erratically, far below us. An injured animal? What's that kid doing down there? Dylan asked. His exceptional raptor vision was starting to come in pretty handy. Looking for the nearest water park? I said dryly. No, I don't think so, Dylan said. He still had a hard time appreciating my sarcasm. I rolled my eyes at Angel. He's sunburned and staggering. Must be lost. I glanced around us. The kid was a good five miles from anything. The chances of his making it to help were pretty slim. We should probably just leave him for dead, seeing as how no one actually wants to be saved around here. I grumbled. Okay, it had been a rainy parade back at the Deathwire school for spider-eyed kids, and I was feeling bitter. But when I looked back up, Dylan grinned at me, and before I knew what was happening, I grinned back. Heck, let's go save him, whether he wants it or not, Dylan said in his best Scooby-Doo voice, and I laughed. Angel glanced at me, her head cocked. What? I said defensively. I laugh sometimes. Long story short, we swooped down on a kid. Okay, now, if I were staggering and lost in the desert, sunburnt and parched and without a hope in the world, and suddenly three kids with wings fluttered down to a graceful landing before me, I'd be pretty sure I was hallucinating or near death or both. The kid looked up when we landed, blinked, and said, You again. My eyes widened as I plucked recognition from the attic of my brain. You, I said. You know him? Dylan asked. We're in the middle of a desert. I recognize him, I clarified. We met, like, forever ago. Six books ago, for those of you in the know. In the subway tunnels in New York. Where's your computer? I asked. Last time I saw him, he'd accused us of hacking his precious Mac, which he seemed to consider his only friend on Earth. I don't need it anymore, the kid said, smiling dreamily. Oh yeah? I said. Last I knew, you were practically joined at the hip. I mean, not literally, which, sadly, is all too possible in our world. But this was more of a codependent situation. I'm free now. The end is near. And soon, we'll all be free. He shouted, raising a fist. Again with the world ending, I muttered. This kid had always been a bit off, but it seemed like the heat was really getting to him. Angel offered him her water bottle, but he shook his head. Everything's happening, just like my computer predicted. His eyes glazed over. But I don't need it now. I don't need anything. It's all beautiful, man. Everything would be beautiful once we kill all the humans. You'll see. Can't you feel it? He looked at me earnestly. Okay, things were getting a little more than crazy town. Say what now? The humans have ruined everything, he said. But once they're all gone, we can start fresh again. We just need to kill the humans. But you're human, said Angel. His eyes wavered, then focused on her. Nah, not really. Look, you need to get out of the sun, get some fluids into you, I said. Then you'll quit talking crazy. No. He frowned and shook his head. You don't understand. You don't want to understand. I have everything I need. I'm being taken care of. He looked off at nothing in the distance. Everything's being taken care of, he whispered. 
Please, let us help you, I pleaded, taking his arm. No! He pulled away from me and ran shakily across the hard-packed soil. I don't need your help. I'm being taken care of, he shouted over his shoulder. I'm starting to get a complex, I said. What, I'm not good at saving people anymore? The three of us watched the kids stagger away from us. I seriously felt like crying. Let's just go home, I said wearily. Chapter 30 And how have you been locating members of this little ragtag collection of yours? Maya asked, taking a big swig of Yoohoo. Great. Not only did Maya look exactly like Max and have the same husky voice that practically made Fang's knees buckle, but she even talked like Max, all bravado and snark. Through my blog, Fang answered. Across the hotel room, the rest of his little ragtag collection actually seemed to be getting along. The new guy, Holden Squibb, had finally arrived, and Kate was explaining to the pale, scrawny kid how she and Star had been kidnapped by two men in lab coats on some school trip. Fang turned back to Maya. I started getting letters from kids who were... different. They wanted answers. I want answers too. I thought we could find them together. Maya looked at him when he said, together, and his heart raced. She stepped closer to him, leaning over his shoulder to look at his computer. And what have you found? She said, now inches from his face. Fang kept his eyes locked straight ahead on the screen. He could practically... He could practically feel the warmth from her skin. He'd been so stupid. But he had needed another good fighter on his team, and hadn't been sure the other four would work out. He'd wanted someone... familiar. He'd been a freaking idiot. Now, he didn't know what to do. Well, everyone here seems to have been experimented on pretty recently. He said as evenly as he could. They didn't grow up with it, like we did. They were just regular kids. He said quietly and some of them had harsher experiences than others. Feng looked at Holden and frowned. Anyway, we think it has something to do with these guys. He clicked open a new window, and a banner popped up that read, Save the planet. Kill the humans. Maya gave a low whistle. Sweet. These people seem like real winners. Now her lips were close to his ear, and Feng forced himself to breathe normally. Yeah, you could see that. They seem to be all for genetically modified kids, though. What they don't get is that not everyone wants to be improved. He nodded over to Ratchet, Holden, Kate, and Star. The gang here joined up because they got a thing or two to tell the people who did this to them. He squinted at the screen. If we can just figure out how these doomsday jerks work. Hmm, said Maya. Well, I know I can fly, and I know you can fly, but what can they do? She pointed to her bottle at the others. They just met, but Ratchet already had Holden in a headlock. Ratchet's got, like, insane senses, Fang said, and Ratchet nodded to them from across the room. Holden can heal really fast, and we think he has the ability to regenerate limbs and stuff. Like a starfish, Maya said, nodding. Cool. Yeah, said Fang. But slightly less cool when you think about how many times they cut him open before that potion actually worked. Fang glanced across the room at Holden's scarred arms and shuddered. And the girls, Kate and Star, were injected at the same time, but apparently with different stuff. Seems like the white coats screwed with their DNA just like they did with ours. You wouldn't think to look at her, but Kate's like wicked strong. He nodded at Star, who was pouring a supersized bag of chips down her throat. We think Star is part hummingbird or mouse. She can move like lightning 
but she burns through about a zillion calories in the process. She must have double the fast-twitch muscle fibers we do, since they splice her genomes. Maya smiled at him. I love it when you talk all sciency. Fang almost laughed despite himself. He hated talking to people. He hated talking to people. But maybe with Maya, he could just hang. Maybe she could be like Max for him. Like he and Max used to be. Before things got... complicated. It would be just like before. Chapter 31 Max. The Maxillator. Maxime. Maxilicious. Maxter. Total raced toward me as soon as I landed, wagging his tail. Oh, just a reminder. Yes, we are living in a world where geneticists have messed with dogs, too. Total's the first talking dog I've ever met, though. And I hope he's the last. Total, hi. How's your honeymoon? I was actually really glad to see him. Things have been kind of quiet without him. Relatively. I see Mr. Perfect still hanging around, eh? He said, drawing together his pointy black scotty ears. My face flushed as I took a step away from Dylan. And Angelkins! Total licked Angel's face when she squatted down to pet him, bracing his front paws on her lap. Hi, Total, Angel said. Whoa, your wings are looking good. Total extended his wings proudly, fluttering them a little. They are indeed, are they not? He agreed. The honeymoon was fantabulous. His eyes got a little misty. You see before you the happiest of dogs. My Akila and I had a truly magical time. Now she's off visiting her folks, but I missed you, one and all. He turned to look at me and frowned. And, of course, I got here just in time to see that everything took a turn for the worse when I left. Everyone looks terrible. I'm gone for a week and... I'm hungry, I said, heading toward the house. You have any pictures from your honeymoon? I have video, Total said, happily trotting beside me. Inside, the flock was a little... different. Besides the limbs and cast and stitched up wings, everyone had bruises, black eyes, and assorted scrapes. But no one looked at me when I walked in. What's going on? Dylan whispered. I was going to ask you the same thing, said Total. Had they been taking freak pills? Because they're all acting strange. Hey guys, I said, a little too loud. Everyone okay? Nobody moved. Not even my mom, who, of all people, I thought I could count on to lead the Max Welcoming Committee. Mom? I said, walking over to the couch where she was resting. How's your arm? She looked at me, and I felt... empty. I mean, my mom was the person who had taught me that people can really show love through their eyes. Maybe I was imagining things, but she just seemed... different. It's okay, she said. How are you, Max? She sounded like she didn't care much one way or the other. I'm fine, I said. I'm sorry I stayed out all night. We decided to try to spy on the Gen 77 school and... Did you find Hans's body? She said, interrupting me. No. We looked, but we ended up finding these spider-eyed noid kids who... That's great, honey. Can you scoot over a bit? I'm trying to watch the news. Angel, Dylan, and I looked at one another, like, okay. Then we really took in the view. Nudge, covered in bandages, was lying quietly on the floor by herself, looking miserable. Gazzy was sitting at a table playing with Ella's old Legos. He was making little people. Not making houses and exploding them. Not blowing things up. 
just making little people. Quietly. Jeb was on crutches, brooding, watching Gazzy from across the room. He looked distraught. Okay, I'll give him a pass since he'd been one breath away from pancaking. Ella and Iggy were sitting in the kitchen, putting peanut butter and jelly on saltine crackers. Ella was chatting up a storm, and Igg was nodding enthusiastically at her like a bobblehead doll, an idiotic grin on his face. Neither of them even acknowledged my presence. My heart seized with sudden understanding. The flock was majorly peeved at me for ditching them in the desert. Dylan sensed that I was on edge and stepped closer to support me. I was freaking out. And it would have been so nice just to lean into his warmth. Instead, I shot him a look that said, I'll break your fingers like a nutcracker if you touch me right now. And I turned to Angel. Ange? Powwow. Stat. I said. She nodded. I felt a pang of regret when I saw Dylan's hurt face as Angel and I walked out onto the deck, but the flock was my first priority. Regardless of those fluttery feelings I kept having, they were severely cramping my style. Oh my god, I said as soon as we were outside. Why didn't you warn me? Is it just me? They're totally giving me the cold shoulder, aren't they? Are they trying to punish me? Angel shook her head. Don't worry, Max. They'll get over it. They're mostly just exhausted and in shock from everything. Something happened between Gazzy and Jeb out there, and I think Gazzy's still reeling, but he's okay. But even my mom. Angel cocked her head as if she knew something I didn't. Yeah, something's kind of up with your mom. I tensed, but Angel continued. I'm way more worried about Ella and Iggy, though. Yeah, I huffed. Could they be any more annoying with all that puppy-eyed sappiness? It's like a barf witch in there. No, it's more than that, Angel said. But I can't quite put my finger on it. It's just, I can always dip into their minds. Not that I do, of course. She added quickly. No, of course not. I said. They just don't feel like themselves. I mean, they haven't been replaced with clever replicas or bots. It's definitely them. But they're a little... off. She frowned. Okay, I said. Let's find out what the deal is with the Stefford flock. Chapter 32 My friend was on TV earlier, Ella said, all up in my grill. She licked peanut butter off her fingers and handed a pepper towel to Iggy. Oh yeah? I said, backing up. Which friend? Someone from school, she said. They had this huge rally with all the schools from the district. We talked about the earth and everything that was wrong with it and all the changes that needed to be made, she said, breathless. You would have loved it, Max. Then we had to stand up and make a pledge if we cared enough about the world to take action. And I stood up, and then they paired us with new friends, and my friend was the best. He told me everything was going to be okay if we just followed his lead, and I believe him, Max. It's going to be beautiful. Hey, you know I'm all for fixing the planet, I said. But Ella seemed a little... fanatical, all of a sudden. My mom looked up. Was that the friend who brought the flyers by? What flyers? Dylan asked. The flyers are an invitation to change, Ella said earnestly. Yeah, I can see you've already RSVP'd, I said, eyeing her. It's really amazing, Max, said Iggy waving a couple of bright colored sheets of paper at me. You have to trust the message and take action. We need to hand these out to everyone we know, so they can join the cause. I raised an eyebrow. Cynical Iggy wants to join the cause? I was officially creeped out. Angel, Dylan, and I all looked at each other. Yeah? I said, 
fanning interest. Let's see him. Sure, said Robo Iggy. I unfolded the magenta paper to find pictures of smiling kids and these words. We know you're special. We know you're one of us. We care about you. Come join us and learn about the message of the One Light. Brought to you with love and caring by the Doomsday Group. Love and caring and Doomsday Group don't seem to go together, Dylan said, leaning over my shoulder and making the hairs on my neck stand up. Who's this Doomsday Group and what are they selling? Basically, they make it sound like a big, eco-friendly glee club, I said. But it seems a little over the top. Nudge got up and slunk over, looking absolutely wrecked. Alice has been ranting about this all afternoon, she whispered. At first, I thought Iggy was just being super cute and lovey-dovey and humoring her, but since that weirdo came to the door and talked to him, he started to seem really wonky. It's just for kids. This will set us free. Ella's voice, suddenly loud, made me jump. I looked into her glazed eyes, and a shiver ran down my spine. This was eerily familiar. Just for kids? I asked. She stepped closer to me, and so did Iggy. I started to feel a little hemmed in. Yeah, cause we're the only ones who can be trusted, Ella said, her eyes sparkling. The group is meeting at my school tomorrow, and I really want everyone to come. Say you'll come, Max, please? She was practically shouting at me. Yeah, maybe, I said. It's just that, I mean, it's not the best time for the flock. We're kind of in the middle of something, you know? Hansi's gone, everyone's beat up, and Dylan and I found this hidden school of spider-eyed kids, and remembering our night spent curled together on the ledge. It's really important that you come, Max, Iggy insisted, and now even my name was starting to sound a little creepy. Ella held Iggy's hand and nodded at him encouragingly, then said, The moonlight will set us free. And what are you guys going to do with this group? I asked, feeling like I was talking to pod people. Ella and Iggy replied at the exact same time, in the exact same tone of voice. We're We're going going to to save save the the world, they said, and stepped closer to us. Chapter 33 I think I found something, Maya said, looking intently at the computer screen. The rest of the gang had gone out for lunch, but Fang had wanted to stay behind to research the Doomsday Group and update his blog. More news stories on the group had been popping up by the hour, and the internet was exploding with posts about this new hip earth cleanse. To his surprise, Maya had volunteered to stay with him. Check it out. These aren't white coats, Fang. They're kids. All of them. No way. Fang leaned over her shoulder, reminding himself to keep it light. They were just doing research. He didn't have to think about her sweet smile or the sound of her voice. Seriously. She scrolled down. I'm getting hits for a doomsday group literally all over the globe. It's gone viral on the net just since yesterday. She opened a new window. And check this out. All these kids are posting about the enhanced generation. They're babbling about a future world of clones, she whispered. It's so messed up. Feng nodded, raising his wings a little. I get it. Believe me. You actually don't get it, Maya said, turning away from him. You think we're alike because we've both been genetically engineered because we both have wings. She got up and began pacing. But I'm a clone. Can you even fathom what that's like? To be made from someone else? Someone who still exists? Fang's throat felt dry. What was he supposed to say? 
You are different, Maya. You can still be you, he said lamely. She laughed bitterly. Clearly, that hadn't been the right thing to say. You mean I can be her, she said. He started to protest, but she shook her head. I've seen those brooding looks. And you know, you're great. Fang felt a pang. But do you think I don't know why you look at me that way? I know you want me to be her. Everyone has always wanted me to be her. But I can't. I'm just... me. She looked up at him, seeming totally vulnerable despite how amazingly powerful she was. But she was right. She'd always be a bit like Max to him. And Feng, despite his wrecked heart, almost couldn't keep himself from kissing her. Thankfully, before he could screw up in such a royal way, the gang burst through the door, howling and armed with... Cheese Whiz. Hey, and thanks for listening to another episode of Maximum Crime, a Maximum Raid bootleg audiobook podcast thing. I am your Olivet Marky, and we got another response on the Spotify Q&A thingy, which I am starting to figure out. I think I've got it this time. The message this time is from our bud Axolotl, who said, Thank you for posting again and mentioning my comment. Before you posted yesterday, my pet hermit crab died, and my other one is depressed. Thank you for giving me something new to keep my mind off it. So sorry about your hermit crab axolotl. I've never had one. They, they're they kind of cute, but they creep me out a little bit. But I hope your other hermit crab is doing better. I don't know much about them, but maybe you can get another one to pair bond with it? I don't know. I don't know hermit crabs. But yeah, no problemo. Happy to distract. And I hope you have a better week than last week. <laughs> but thank you so much for writing in. Speaking of things to distract, how about we get into the recommendation for this week? This week's recommendation is the Valve Studio Orchestra album, Fight Songs, the music of Team Fortress 2. Because I am still on my Team Fortress 2 kick. I am so sorry, I'm losing my mind. So I'm sucking all of you in with me. So this album is just some of the songs used in the various TF2 mediums. Like, they have the music used in the Meat Team SFMs and Expiration Day and a few of their other SFMs that they use to advertise some of the upcoming features of the game and stuff. Team Fortress 2 takes place in the late 60s, early 70s. So the music on this album kind of reflects that. It's got like the great jazzy saxophone. It's got like screaming trumpets. Like, I swear, just listen to Medic, which is the first song in the album. And you'll, that is like the perfect way to get a sense for what the music of this album is like. It's, it's so good. Just all the music on this album is just incredibly powerful and each character has a theme, and their theme just so perfectly encapsulates them as a character, and it's, oh, it's, it's beautiful. I love it so, so much. But honestly, it's just, it's pretty good listening. Uh, my personal favorites are, of course, Medic, uh, A Little Heart to Heart, Faster Than a Speeding Bullet, and Rocket Jump Waltz. But overall, the album's about an hour long with 33 songs. They're fairly short, but yeah. I have been listening to it on loop for the past two weeks straight because I love it that much. So yeah, if you're, I mean, even vaguely interested, I uh, suggest listening to this album, which I will put the Spotify link to in the show notes. So you should uh, go check that out. 
If you want to get in contact with me, you can email me at MaximumCrimePod at gmail.com or hit me up on my Tumblr over at Maximum-Crime-Pod. And if you want to leave a rating review, that would be super cool of you to do. Alrighty, that's all I gotta say for this time. So, until next time, fly on. <laughs>